0: Hello and welcome to Kindness Connect podcast with me, your friend Nisa Amina. Hello Jay, how are you?
1: I'm doing great Amina, how about yourself?
0: Doing great here, thank you for being a part of Kindness Connect podcast, I really appreciate it.
1: Of course, it's an honor and I love the mission of what you're doing, so glad to be a part of it.
0: Thank you. You know, um, whenever I listen to any of your live streams or listen to your posts or other original text, I always feel like our missions are kind of uh, very intertwined, very similar. Just we have a different, slightly different approach about it. How do you? What do you think about that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I I was actually talking about kindness quite a bit yesterday on our live stream and. I think there's very much an alignment in how we recognize that there's something within us all that we can share, that we can tap into, which I think will lead us to a better world.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, were you able to hear me? I'm so sorry. <laughs> it
1: went out for a bit, but I think you're back.
0: Okay. I was saying that I agree with you there. It's definitely the same concept. Okay, so uh, Jay, before we begin with our actual real conversation, um, let's have a quick rapid-fire question session, so that uh, our audience gets to know you better.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Don't think too much. Whatever is the first word or first sentence that comes to your mind, just tell us, okay? Let's start. So three ways you would describe yourself as a professional.
1: Consistent giving, humble.
0: That's awesome. Uh, three words to describe your goofy or, you know, carefree style.
1: Uh, let's see. Silly. Goofy. Chill.
0: Okay. Okay. Amazing. How about three fulfilled dreams?
1: Three dreams?
0: Fulfilled dreams.
1: Three fulfilled dreams. Uh, father, uh, partner, and entrepreneur.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, three goals that you are yet to achieve. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, travel to Europe. Uh, let's see. Own a Tesla. I work there and I still never own one and I've always wanted to visit India and go on um go on just a more of a spiritual journey there I haven't achieved that yet
0: oh don't worry one this um, pandemic is over if you come to India I'll definitely help you get a tour
1: (laughs) that would be amazing
0: awesome okay how about three biggest fears
1: if I'm gonna be honest with myself, I've always had a fear of rejection. That's always been a fear of mine. Uh, fear of uh, failure. And <laughs> I'll go with a, a more of a humorous one. A fear of squids. I don't like squids, live squids, big giant squids really creep me out because I'm going to go off on a quick tangent, but a squid has like a titanium uh, beak, like titanium, uh, strength beak. And it has all these tentacles. And I was, I imagine that like, that's a nightmare to be around one of those things and if they touched you and they, so that's my, yeah, those are
0: my fears. I am super scared of tentacles. Anything that has more than four legs just creeps me out. Octopus, yuck. (laughs) Right. Okay. Moving on to the next question: three all-time favorite books or movies.
1: The Alchemist, The Go-Giver. These are books. The Alchemist, The Go-Giver, and then I'll give one movie, uh, Cloud Atlas. I love that movie.
0: Okay. Why? For the movie. Mm-hmm.
1: So Cloud Atlas is a. It's from a book, and I read the book too. But uh, the movie really paints amazing pictures of how stories connect from, it starts in the 19th century all the way to hundreds of years in the future. And it tells these stories and how these stories have these lives that connect and influence one another, people who've never met. But it just has this incredible impact on you to see the kind of influence you have on future generations.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. We will definitely be touching about that little aspect during our episode. Okay, one last question. Three all time favorite leaders.
1: Three all time favorite leaders. Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi, and Abraham Lincoln.
0: Any specific reason for why these three?
1: I think all three share one thing in common. That is, they had courage and stood up against what was the common accepted reality that when looked at objectively was extremely harmful and abusive to a large part of their populations and I think that kind of boldness, that kind of courage is incredibly inspiring.
0: know, talking about courage and the current situations, when you look at it, they're quite different from situations that Abraham Lincoln faced, Nelson Mandela or Mahatma Gandhi. And yet the situations that we are facing today are somewhat similar, different, but similar. We all require courage because there's, there's a mass uh, movement where we are we have literally given up our power to think to question to not take things personally you know if you look at today's situations we see uh, a lot of us are polarized in our ideas whether it be politics religion and and we are seeing so many deep societal issues that are coming up and i think somewhere down the line i don't know how when or why but we kind of gave up our power to think and to think objectively, to not be swayed away by emotions. What do you think?
1: Indeed. I think we have fallen into these traps of consuming all of this information through social media, news feeds and what ends up happening and the documentary, Social Dilemma, paints this picture picture really well, I recommend everybody watch it, is that it ends up only feeding your cognitive bias. So there's already a story that each of us have told ourselves about what the world looks like and how it is, and there's all subjective meaning that we've given to it. And when you're constantly being, when you're constantly consuming information that validates your existing story, It only makes it stronger. And you aren't able to look at a situation objectively anymore. So what I think is important and what we need to, if we want to get out of that story in our minds and start to see reality a bit more objectively and look at things as what is the truth of this, not what is a truth that's being told to me, right, that only validates my upbringing and my conditioning. Uh, What's required is to be a, a gatekeeper for your mind, and to recognize the filters that are that information is going through, and all the biases that you're um, that you're putting onto a situation or a circumstance, whether it's political, uh, whether it's environmental, whatever it is. And I find that there is a shift happening for sure. Many people are recognizing this, but uh, there's still a lot of work to be done because the the traps of social media and the traps of all this information the human mind is so easily brought into it and um yeah it's uh i think there has to be more than just the ask or the the desire for people to change there needs to be a huge change to the structure of it all to the, the the way social media works the way Information gets spread, I do believe that that is required in order for us to see transformative change.
0: I agree with you there. So, whatever you've said to now, um, two things popped up in my head. One is that recognition and understanding of the biases, the upbringing that we've had, the world, uh, the lens that we've developed because of our parents, our families, our peers, okay? That's one thing, that's self awareness something that we need to develop by sitting still and thinking about what we're thinking, how we're thinking. So that's one aspect I want to talk about. And the other is this getting out of the trap of social media. Like you said, we are being fed information constantly via social media. And here's the thing, we cannot control it. If if I decided to think in one particular direction, I type a few keywords and it gets, uh, logged into the algorithm and now i'm just seeing that you know right. uh if I, if I just think about mindfulness i'm doing uh, research on mindfulness now every other uh, search that i do something about mindfulness pops up but mindfulness is a good thing unfortunately there are a lot of things in social media that are popping up so two questions okay i'll, I'll first let's start with the first one about self-awareness mm-hmm. H- how do we do that
1: so what What we need to do to strengthen our own self-awareness is find ways to enter into the present moment more and more. We enter into the present moment not through thought, because thought is always in the past. If you think about it, every thought that arises in the mind is coming from memory, right? It's That's the function of the brain to pull thoughts that's uh, from the, the the memory of your previous experiences that then ruminates thoughts, which then come out to tell you about the future, right? To plan about the future or to revisit something in the past. So in other words, we have to get through the thought, not to suppress the thought, not to resist the thought, not to distract ourselves from the thought. It's to allow the thought to settle. And in order to do that, it's, the game is attention. Where is your attention? So well, you need to bring your attention to something, object, sense, experience, that is here and now. And that could be your physical body. Just starting to notice your body sitting in the chair that it's in. That alone brings you to the present moment. Maybe it's noticing your senses, your breathing. Whatever you can use as a tool to bring attention to the here and now. And then when you do this and your attention stays on it, your mind will wander and you bring it back. And here you're in the present moment. Now, as you do this more and more and you practice this type of mindfulness, you'll start to recognize the stories. You start to see the story. And rather than get caught on the wave of the story, you can look at it like it's a separate object from you, right? It's almost like uh, it's someone else's thought. It's someone else's story. And when you do that, you look at it and you recognize the truth of the, the matter, which is that thought, that belief is something that has arisen within my mind that isn't necessarily telling the truth of objective reality. Objective reality is something different. And when you have this kind of capability, this awareness, you start to see the subjective meaning that you're giving to things not be able, not have the same control over you as they used to. Hmm.
0: Yes, definitely. But it's quite difficult, especially considering all the influence that we face every day due to social media. The second point, so how do we get out of the trap? How do we understand and put those filters that you talked about earlier?
1: Well, with social media, I don't want to paint social media to be all bad. You know, it's like you said, we met on social media, right? So there's good things. Uh, it, it really comes down to just recognizing the kind of pull they could have on you, and I, I think there are there are things that you that you do to set boundaries to ensure that you aren't getting carried away because no matter how much. You know you practice meditation and you you know you you attempt to be mindful and you're self-aware your mind is still at the risk of getting caught into these traps so you have to set the boundaries you know if you're going to be on social media you set a time for how long you're going to be on and you put it on the calendar or you have a timer on your, your desk whatever it is and you're you're doing the activities that you want to do right engage with others Give whatever it is, right, as long as it's coming from a good place. And and then you get off of it and you forget about it. One of my favorite uh, things I share with people is I have no notifications on my phone outside of the most important things like a text message from family and things like that or calls. But even those I have on silent. My phone does not ring or it doesn't vibrate. Because anything that pulls me away from the present moment is a distraction that has me going back into the mind that is caught up in subjective meaning. So I wanna be here and now, I wanna be present as much as possible. And if I have messages popping up from LinkedIn, from Instagram, from Facebook and all these things all the time, when am I actually here? When am I actually living? I'm just constantly being pulled. And it's bad enough that my mind has that type of ability, right? To take me away from the present moment with the thoughts. Now I have my phone doing the same thing, right? It's like a I'm I I'm defenseless.
0: Okay, so yeah, definitely keeping uh, keeping a certain amount of time and being mindful about how we use social media. That's that's exactly the crux. Am I right? Yeah. Right.
1: It's you know have an intention about why you're using it before you go in. Have an intention. My intention is to. Engage with others who are doing something similar to what I'm doing. My intention is to connect with other people in this in this industry. My intention is to share a, a piece of content that I think is going to add value to others and start conversations. Whatever that intention is, make sure you stick to that intention and then not let yourself get caught into the other things that the uh, platform will show you. And then also, know when to stop. Don't let three hours go by and you've been doing this on your phone, you know, just looking through, looking through, looking through, because here's the thing that comes from it. Obviously, you lose out on that time to do something else. That's the obvious thing. Um, Also, you're consuming a lot of information that, like we were talking about before, could impact your subjective experience, right? And um, that does impact you. But here's the other thing. You're also training your brain to be distracted. That's the problem that I see in society. You go to a restaurant and you see three people sitting at a table and all three of them are on their phones. You, you, you see children now who cannot sit still because there's so much stimuli and they want more stimuli. They want to, they've trained their brain to get all this dopamine and that is not healthy for the human mind. The human mind has not evolved to be able to take in that much stimuli and be functional. So why I say be the gatekeeper for your mind, yes, of course, it's because I want you to be careful of all the cognitive bias that could build. Yes, I also think it's important that you can use your time most effectively. But here's the third one, which I think might be the most important, is don't train your brain to be distracted, don't train your brain to constantly receive stimuli, because then you really impact your well-being in a negative way.
0: Definitely. So be a gatekeeper. So talking about gatekeeper for our mind, uh, like anything like social media, there's good and bad side. Okay. We've learned so much about human psychology. Let's take an example of how to be a good teacher or how to be a good public speaker, how to be a good trainer. Target on the emotions of people, right? This is what we say. You could always talk about the feature of this mobile phone that I have. Or you could just bring an emotion. This mobile phone, this little device is helping you connect with your grandparents who are uh, staying thousands of miles away. You you tap on that emotion. Now, unfortunately, that same trick is being used to divert attention from the most important things. And this is where all the societal issues are coming up, right? Like the whole set of polarizing. let's Let's talk about politics here a little bit. Okay, we see a great deal of polarization, no matter which country you look at today. And these people are literally targeting emotions. How do I become, how do I bring in that gate? How do I become the gatekeeper of my mind and think objectively, like, yes, you're speaking to my emotions, but is this the truth? Is the idea that you're suggesting really good for me, for my family, for the future generations? Is it, is it really true? is there evidence you know how to be a gatekeeper when emotions are being targeted?
1: You're right you're absolutely right and it, it has further polarized our society and the path that we're on could lead to something pretty disastrous in the future if, if it's continued. So I'll get I'll get to the individual on the receiving end, I just want to highlight, that's why I do believe these platforms need to do a better job of ensuring that these type of this type of rhetoric and this type of propaganda isn't so um, available and causing this kind of split among society. I do think there's responsibility there. On the receiving end, the first step though, Amina, is people have to be willing. And I think that's the biggest—that's the biggest hurdle. Uh, you know, I know people. I'm sure you do, who they ride that wave and they love it. They love what they see on Facebook. They love what they see on these platforms that that tell them that they're right. That give them all the reasons to be angry at somebody else and to let fear drive their behavior and drive their uh the time the attention that they're giving to these platforms so there needs to be a willingness and that's that's hard that's hard because most many people aren't willing so on the receiving end if you are willing the first thing you need to do is recognize what's happening within you when you read this content Recognize that your body actually starts to react in a certain way. You start to feel this justification and the the emotions start to arise. Notice it within yourself. And to get out of the, the polarized world that you're in, go out of your way to look at what the other side is saying go read it, go research and do so with an open mind. And as you're doing that, remember that the people who are on that side, who, who are the, the opposing side, just like you, they want to be happy. Just like you, they have loved ones. Just like you, they wanna see a better world. They do, most. And if you can go from that open-mindedness to, to see the other side, it gives you a great deal of more compassion Because that's what the world needs we need to be able to have some compassion for one another and you know i have we have all in the united states there's a great polarization occurring right now and there are people on both sides and i do my best to hear what it's like to be on the other side and remember that much of what's driving people to support one candidate or the other is their own need to feel secure and comfortable and safe. That's what's driving them. And if I think of it like that, like that makes me feel a bit sad and, you know, uh, yeah, it makes me feel sad that people are really suffering that way and feel like they have to be on this side and this person's gonna get them there. And then having to be fueled by hatred to the other side, all of that makes me sad, you know? So, it's approaching even those conversations with a great deal of compassion and kindness and respect.
0: I feel you. I totally understand what you're talking about. Um, there seems to be a connection problem, let me just Hi. <laughs> uh there was a connection problem i suppose okay uh no problem continuing where we are left off um you know it's very easy to say let's look at the other side let's be a little more compassionate towards them but in reality in truth it's, it's very difficult because at some level we are challenging our beliefs we are challenging a huge aspect of our core you know our thoughts and that, that, that's really difficult. And uh, I remember from uh, your live stream from yesterday, where you were talking about um, narcissism and how to deal with difficult people, the challenges that you have to say, you no, know, you have to stop somewhere. That again is an objective thinking. It may be very simple for you and me, but there are people out there who find it very difficult to put an end or you just get out of that situation. So any tips on how to develop that kind of mindset? I believe this connection problem again. (laughs) Hi.
1: Hey, are you there?
0: Yeah, I, I'm here. It's just, it seems to be, I, I seem to carry a technology bad luck, every <laughs> time something has to happen.
1: <laughs> That's okay, I can hear you now, uh, I, I think it cut off when you said it's. Uh, it can be very difficult for certain people.
0: Yeah, so, so how do we develop that kind of mindset, that thinking, you know, because it's, I believe it, it's very important to do that. To be kind to ourselves it, it feels like exercise i think that was point we discussed earlier as well that it yeah. hurts when you're exercising right now in the moment but it's for your own good for the future self to stay healthy and strong so today to develop that mindset and to say no and get out of those situations and to think to look at the other side even when it's difficult it's, it, we have to do that so any tips one or two starting points how to do that
1: I think there are practices and techniques that help it's helped me tremendously uh very well known in the mindfulness community loving kindness practice or metta meditation uh are uh, that's a practice i think that helps to cultivate compassion for self and for others and in the practice it's simple in that you affirm you have affirmations of which you say to yourself uh about Uh, such as, may I be healthy, may I be happy, may I live with ease. And then you visualize others, starting with people who you love, people who are in your inner circle, moving to a neutral person, moving to uh, a person who may be deemed difficult, and then moving to all of humanity and saying these affirmations. And doing so, of course, quietly and in a meditative space. In that we can we can cultivate compassion within ourselves I think we all have it It's more of just going into it tapping into it so that's that's something that comes to mind and it's not it's not our natural tendency to try and uh, really really put ourselves in another person's shoes yes we have empathy I think we all do I think that's that's a natural thing and that's a beautiful thing to have empathy for others but if we could really sit and imagine, as I said earlier, that another person who was born, raised, conditioned, and programmed to be as they are, it was not their fault at their own doing as to why they believe what they believe. Like really think about what I'm saying. If you were born, as that other person and you were raised exactly as they were and you had the same parents and the same exact conditions and the same exact life events, you would be exactly as they are. And in a political conversation, that could meet on the other side of the political conversation. So fully understand that, really know that, and then it, it releases the anger that you might have towards the other person because it's not their fault. And it, and in trying to have conversation, if we're referring to like interpersonal uh, communication, how we're trying to communicate to them, it really makes a difference if you can communicate in a way that is from that place, that understanding, that mindset, to where your emotions are not getting getting caught up, your own ego and your own belief is not really leading you to uh, lead with that kind of, uh, those feelings of angst and, and frustration. The high likelihood you won't change their beliefs, but you may be able to influence it and i feel like you know the idea isn't to try and get one side to believe something different it's that to bring people together to have constructive conversation to where it could be understood what the other side really believes and why and there could be some uh, some middle ground some some common understanding that everyone can agree to because everybody wants to be happy that's ultimately what we all want so i think we can It wouldn't be too hard if we really like made an effort and we did so without our our fears and our anger leading the conversation to agree, okay, all of us can be happy if we do this.
0: So all of us want to be happy, all of us want to be heard, all of us want to be seen, all of us want to be acknowledged. And in order to drive a positive change, we will have to begin with ourselves. We'll have to make an attempt to see, hear, listen, acknowledge, right? Indeed. Okay, so that I think that that can be one of the starting points where we make a change. Okay, the next thing is um, we do this, we continue. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. So when do we stop? Like, I can force you to uh, believe that smoking kills. I can do everything, but you're not ready to listen to me. You're not ready to agree to me. I have to stop for my own well-being. How do we come to a point of realization where we decide, okay, now I'm going to stop. Now I'm not going to push more.
1: I think there's two ways to look at it. And both are, both are good ways to recognize when you've crossed that line. The one is when it is starting to impact your own well-being. So in being compassionate towards another and wanting to, you know, Have them to stop smoking, ask them to stop smoking, whatever it is, um, or change their ways. If in doing so, it's starting to impact your own happiness, your own space, your own stillness, that's when you know you need to stop. And then, of course, on the other side, if it's evoking a really strong emotion from the other person by which they are now feeling like you're impacting their well-being, and you can sense that, that would be another time to stop really you know it, it's are you shaking the person out of uh their place of stillness to a point where um it's a real it's really negatively impacting them and and then of course that applies to you as well
0: okay that's amazing so i think it's more easier from when we are experiencing that imbalance in our own stillness than to identify and recognize in the other person
1: yeah right
0: um so how do we think objectively? How do we make sure that our emotions are not driving our lives, but they're taking a backseat and only coming in picture when we want to drive a positive change? How do we let logic reasoning be the driver of our lives?
1: I think asking yourself powerful questions, the right questions, help bring you to objective thinking. There are a few that come to mind. One is, what's really happening right now? What's really happening right here, right now? I'm sitting, having a conversation with Amina, and my back's a little tight, and he's a little sore, you know? All these things are happening right now. This is This is my reality, this is my true experience. Anything else that might have been circulating in my head telling me stories, is that really happening? No, that's just the stories in the mind. What's happening right now? Now, when you're caught up in those stories and uh, you're finding, you're going down these patterns, you can ask yourself, are these thoughts useful? You can ask yourself, how do I know this to be factually true? that normally brings you to a place of objective thinking. Because in many many instances, your thoughts, your mind, your imagination is coming up with some sort of uh, imagined illusion that is not based in fact, it's not based in in truth. So when you ask yourself, how do I know this to be factually true, the mind will have to respond to that with with an answer. And if you, you're you listening to that answer and you're finding that to be a little unsure, well, how do I know that to be factually true? You can keep going. How do I know this to be true? And then you can go into, well, what do I know for sure? So uh, let's give an example. Uh, you're worrying about, uh, let's say this is a work example, your manager thinking badly of you is that they think you're not doing well uh, you think they are thinking that you're not doing well. And you're going through these thoughts and it's really upsetting you it's stressing you it's causing you you know to feel anxious. If you ask yourself well how do I know this to be factually true? well you know they didn't they didn't call me uh, in a week and usually they call me you know every couple days and my manager hasn't called me okay well if my manager didn't call me uh well what else could be the situation what else could be the story here well maybe my manager got really busy maybe my manager um had personal issues with their family right all those are potential realities what is the objective reality that your manager hasn't called you in a week that's all you know anything else that you're telling yourself is a story and if you go down these questions and you really kind of nail it down and ask yourself, what's really happening here? You can get out of the story, which is causing you so much unnecessary distress, bring you to the present moment and bring you into objective.
0: So look for objective reality and ask questions. Clarify any doubts that you have in your mind.
1: Right, and, and recognize the story. We are storytelling machines. That's what we do. We tell stories. In our minds, we're always telling a story. Usually, uh, we are the main character in our stories. And oftentimes, we are the victim in our stories. See the story for what it truly is. We're cut off in traffic. What's the story we tell ourselves? How dare you cut me off in traffic? Who does this person think they are? This person is a expletive, 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 right? But what could be the story? The story could be. This person has a child in the back seat who's choking and they're rushing them to the hospital right now. That could be the story, right? And all that's happened is that this person did cut in front of you, right? For a moment there, you had a little bit of fear arise and it's over. That's objective reality. That's objective thinking. So sometimes what helps is recognizing that there are alternative stories that you can tell. And then you can contrast all these different stories and realize, oh, all of them are stories. None of them I know for sure. None of them are true.
0: They're, they're just guesses. Okay, but that's, that's really powerful. Alternate stories. Okay, uh, something you said really caught my attention was we are sometimes victim in our own stories. Okay, um, sometimes it's real. Things have been bad and we really have been the victim. Sometimes we just think because of the unfairness and we were not able to cope with the stresses of life how do we be objective in that situation how do we bring ourselves out of that victim mindset and say i'm not a victim this is just happening in my life it's it's not something personal how do we do that
1: there are instances where someone does something harmful or is abusive and in that situation of course there is someone who is abusing and someone who is abused but even then i would suggest to not to use the word victim because you still have a choice you still have a decision that you can make right there's still something that can be done there are of course exceptions where you know people are in horrible situations and i don't mean to be insensitive to that situation. I'm referring to the mass majority of situations by which we claim ourselves to be victim. Ultimately what happens is someone did something to you, right, or someone, forget forget I said that, someone did something, someone did something or said something and it created a reaction within you based off of your interpretation of what they did, right? That's objective reality, that's that's it. They weren't inside of your brain pulling a lever, right, they, they, they weren't doing that. You interpreted what they did and then you reacted to it. And in no way does it serve you to be in the role of victim. In no way does it serve the people you love and care about either. What serves you and what serves the people around you is to be in full ownership of your experience to take full responsibility. I'm not saying let people treat you badly. That's not what I'm saying. But recognize even if the other person treated you badly, you're still responsible for your reaction. They're not responsible for your reaction. That is you doing it. I think that coming to terms with that truth, it's not even an opinion. No one can argue against that, right? This is biology, right? We we know that I cannot ever get inside of the mind of another human being. I can't get into their nervous system. Sure, I can influence it, right? But ultimately, it's the other person that has full ownership as to how they respond to it. So how do you do it? I think is knowing, for one. Knowing that you are fully responsible for your experience. And then also recognizing that any type of response that you have that is natural, any type of natural reaction is just that. It's natural. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't judge yourself. Don't be overly critical of getting upset or getting mad or getting sad. Uh, Oh, you know, I always let these things bother me. You know, Why can't I just be okay with this? Why don't I, you know, that's only making the matter worse. It's only making the matter worse. So, coming, coming to embrace your reality, embrace it, accept it, accept that this is what's happening. And then, once you have that that real acceptance, and you have a true ownership of this is this is happening within me, it's not happening outside of me. You can more easily detach from it and not identify with it, and not allow yourself to play that role. Because that in itself is a story. Tell yourself a better story.
0: It all comes down to stories. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it also, I think, uh, in some way helps us build resilience. These stories, the way we look at them, the way we think about them, the way we feel about them, it helps us build resilience. And at the end of the day, I think it's a full circle. Resilience helps you become more objective in your approach being more objective in your approach helps you become resilient. How, what are your opinions on that?
1: I agree. I think, I think the, the difficult experiences we have in our lives are what create the contrast by which we grow and develop. No one has ever learned or grown or developed through pleasurable experiences it's just not the way it works your muscles don't grow if you just let them relax all the time it's only when you lift weights you work you run you do exercise where your body will actually start to change and grow and get stronger the same goes for you psychologically so when you're put into a situation where you are facing a great deal of distress Trauma, you know, it could be something you know like losing a loved one, losing a job, going through a breakup in a relationship, something that led to a great deal of suffering. I think we all have these experiences where experiences where sometimes it shakes us so badly that it leads us to kind of get out of the story a bit and like look at what happened, right? And to to realize. The truth of the situation for what it is because it was almost too painful to be in the story anymore that we had to get out of it and that builds resilience as you were saying and as you continue to strengthen that muscle of resilience it only helps to grow or maybe it grows not the right word but tap into your objective thinking over time
0: uh, is this is this the reason why you focus so much on resilience your upcoming course and everything because right now when you were talking about uh, these experiences it kind of felt you were thinking about your own story your own experiences starting from your father your relationship everything it just when you were saying all those words i was remembering your story is this why you are doing what you are doing
1: it is i mean and you know, I've, I had uh, my own, you know, experiences with loss when, when my father passed away, experience with relationship challenges, debt, financial debt. Uh, at one point I was, I was working two jobs, like 75 hours a week and going to school at the same time and a new father. I had all these things going on and I was just, you know, it's just a lot of suffering and stressful and, I don't know how to get out of it, and I think uh, in seeking out a solution, I found that objective thinking as we're talking about it, mindfulness, and even, you know, stoicism, which I don't talk about all the time, but stoicism is very much uh, a, a philosophy of objective thinking, to look at the situation for what it truly is, was my way of handling anything. It's like It's like walking or it's like sitting in a storm where the winds are blowing fast and you're simply swaying like this a little bit this way and this a little bit this way. And that's about it. That's the place that I think ultimately we want to get to the state of equanimity where no matter the external circumstance or no matter the emotion that arises, we are still, we can take action. We have all of our, our faculties with us. We're not being swayed. The wind is not blowing us away. You know, we're, we're, we're at the mercy of the wind. That is the work that, the work that I do is to bring people to that place. The work that I do is to give them the tools to be resilient. Because I've seen way too much of the suffering. I've experienced it myself. I worked at companies where I saw it all around me people burnt out, people at the mercy of whatever their manager said or whatever the circumstance brought about. And being in a state of equanimity gives you the ability to control your experience.
0: So back when you were really going through a tough time, how did you achieve this state? What did you tell yourself? What were your tools that you equipped yourself with?
1: I think that the tool of meditation is the greatest tool that i've ever encountered to help me with getting to objective thinking formal meditation in the form of sitting and observing one's breathing and doing this for you know what was when i first started five minutes then 10 minutes and build to where i now do it sometimes uh, 45 minutes sometimes it's an hour but i have a, a lengthier practice now and also, then using formal—I'm sorry—informal practices throughout the day to bring myself back to the present moment as much as possible to see my own thinking. Right, I, I would watch it all the time. I, so, so I guess there's two answers. Um, one is that formal practice, but the other one is having a real curiosity about it all in a playful way. Like I, I, I get curious. I'm really curious as to how my mind works. I'm really curious as to what my patterns are. I'm curious as to what my programming is, not because I'm uh, I'm doing so in a judgmental way. Like, I'm, how could I think like this? You know, why would I? Why would I go down this road? It's more of like, oh, this is interesting. This is what's happening. This is where my mind goes when this situation happens. This is how I feel when this person said that to me. So I would say, you know, for anyone who is looking to get to a place of more objective thinking, having a a formal practice is incredibly helpful. I think of it as accelerating one's evolution. That's how I describe it. You're accelerating your evolution. And then having a curiosity throughout the day. Because that doesn't take time, right? It's just a little shift of mindset. Being a little bit more curious as to what's happening in me more than my attention being always outside of me. And you'll find that it's uh, it ends up just building on itself because the more you're curious, the more your attention is, is going within, the more you're building up your own self-awareness and your own objective thinking.
0: You know, Jay, before I say something um, more about it, uh, first I'd like to say thank you for being so vulnerable and honest because while you were talking, I actually saw the shift. I heard the shift in you from when you were talking about hardship then the things that you did and now where you are today but that, that transformation was so beautiful you know from a place to from sadness to a place of happiness abundance and and that was beautiful and i think this kind of experience is really something that we need to share with the world because that that gives hope to a lot of people so first of all thank you for that um and and i'm not i don't, I don't know if i'm wrong or right here but i believe that somehow somewhere this has been translated into your upcoming online course can you tell us something about that
1: absolutely well it was very kind of you to say i mean i thank you and my online course is all about bringing participants to a place of stillness where they can get to the present moment through a number of techniques while also receiving a deeper understanding as to why we are the way we are. And again, I've said this before and I'll say it again, it's not your fault that you react certain ways. It's not your fault. You didn't go to a, a lab and decide on what programs are gonna run in your brain, right? You, you didn't just tell a doctor, hey, I wanna be like this. I wanna be, uh, you know, I wanna deal with these type of difficult emotions and have this type of traumatic experience. Like That's not how it happened. So I, I, I get into that a lot in the course to help really deep in the understanding of the knowing that while of course it isn't your fault, it is however your responsibility and in taking responsibility for your ability to be resilient, to manage through the difficulties and to bring yourself to the present moment so you can experience objective reality and have a better experience of life, period. I and mean, that's ultimately what we all want while still being able to achieve in the world while still being successful while still you know growing and, and accomplishing and taking care of our families i think that both are possible i think there's a stigma out there if you do one the other one doesn't happen i don't agree with that at all i think they actually go together well they, they help to ele- elevate both sides and that is what my course is all about including you know practical tab te- tips as well as providing a deeper understanding as to why we are the way we are and how to get out of it
0: that's amazing i'm looking forward to it so uh, i believe it's still in development stages so a tentative timeline of when we can access this
1: yeah b- before the end of the year for sure i mean uh, that's uh as an entrepreneur you learn that timelines are not, not always set in stone things change uh but i'm very excited for this because there's going to be uh, an opportunity for people to get access to much of this content for free and uh we're gonna we're gonna have it where there's a, a course that's all online can be taken at one's own pace and then if someone wants to go further we have a deeper program that will be available as well so i'd say before the end of the year uh, i don't want to set a date because i don't want to set false expectation but uh yeah we're, we're working towards the end before the end of the year
0: that's amazing i'm looking so i'm looking forward to it so everyone who's listening to this um, jay has a weekly newsletter and it's amazing it's beautiful i always look forward to it i think uh, every single time i've read one of those uh, emails it's it's opened my eyes in new ways i've sat there thinking about it hmm i've experienced that or this makes so much sense why didn't i think about it before so uh everyone just please go to his website i'll be putting the link down below uh subscribe to his newsletter they're amazing and linkedin is go to social media so uh he has again weekly live stream sessions amazing posts videos uh, it's it's amazing what he has to offer like i i actually first followed him before i sent him a connection request and asked him to be on my podcast because it's wonderful what he shares. So that, I just wanted to sh- uh, say that before. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, so
1: kind. Amina. Thank you very much. Very,
0: very kind, very so sweet. No, so so uh, Jay, I have one last question for you before we end our session. Um, I always believe that advices come from everywhere, but the most important advices come from us, our perspective, the way we change our thinking. So what's the best advice you have given to yourself? and why do you think it's the best?
1: The best advice I've given to myself is to make time for my self-care. To prioritize it and to place it at a higher importance to almost anything else. And that would mean waking up or, or that would mean going to bed earlier so that way I can wake up earlier, to give myself 30 minutes of my own time, 45 minutes, an hour of my own time, whatever worked for that day, and to never sacrifice that. How how, how I best serve the world, how I best, you know, how I'm the best father I can be, the best partner I can be, the best friend I can be, the best, uh, in business and professional life, everything, is by ensuring that I am in the best version of me. And for me to get there, I have to make time for me. So I would encourage anybody uh, to heed that advice and to please make time for yourself. There is no one more important in your life than you.
0: I agree. And that's such a beautiful advice. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome, Amina. Uh, Thank
0: you. this has been a very wonderful, insightful session. And uh, there's so much, so many takeaways, you know. So thank you so much for your time, your attention, and the wonderful insights that you've given. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Amin. That was an honor. I appreciate it.
0: I hope you liked this episode of Kindness Connect podcast. I will be back with more amazing friends of mine. And together we'll be exploring kindness and mental health.